Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Again, I just want to say that um, we're going to be talking about love today, um, loving each other and the importance in in that in our relationships. And, and I, as we go through this, maybe some of it will make sense as why I think ultimately Jesus Christ really is the answer in what we see in the world around us today. Relationships are fundamental to us, to what it means to, to be human, created in the image of God as relational beings. We, we all interact with people to varying degrees, whether it's our spouse, our parents, our kids, our coworkers, our friends, our teachers. And the level of success we experience in our relationships has a big impact on how much we experience and enjoy life. Since God created us, that's a fundamental belief that we have as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians from the Bible. And he said it wasn't good for us to be alone, which maybe plays a big role in a lot of things that happen in our world today. Since God himself is relational as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it only makes sense that God understands and has some things to say about developing good, healthy relationships. And so today we're starting a series on relationships called Building Successful Relationships. And I didn't come up with that title. Quite honestly, looking at what we could do in terms of relationships to help us, it's something I think we all deal with every day. And as we looked at our, our uh, Right Now Media, uh, which is a subscription we have that you have access to, that the whole church has access to, there are thousands of videos on there, I looked through and found a video series in there called Building Successful Relationships to Use so that those of us who want to go deeper, yes, if you just you come on Sunday mornings, you'll hear us talking about this for the next few weeks, but if you want to go deeper, if you want to go deeper by yourself, if you want to go deeper with your spouse, if you want to go deeper in your small group, there are six to eight minute videos with questions and discussion questions so that it can become more than just a Sunday morning experience because we're just, we're, we're relational people and, and, and it's a part of all of us and all of us can point to areas in our lives where it's a struggle, where it, it, we've hurt, where we've been hurt. If you haven't, don't have your membership yet for uh, uh, Right Now Media, you can go onto our website, uh, uh, the Find It page, and right there it'll, it'll tell you how you can sign up and access that. There are thousands of videos for children on there. Someone just the other day was talking to me about the things that they hated their child to be watching on television, and I told them, go check this out. There are thousands of children's, Christian children's videos on there that are very age-appropriate. And each week in this series, we'll cover one of the topics, um, and then you can go deeper by digging in. And there are more videos, and there are actually weeks in the series, so there is some extra content there for you to keep going if God is working in you and you find that helpful. Um, the series is based on a very profound truth found in Proverbs 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 23, which says in the New King James Version, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. 
Now, if you did a search, computer search, or used a book called a concordance to look up the word heart in the Bible, you would see that it comes up more than 900 times. And in most cases, it's not referring to the physical organ in our body. It's referring to the core of who we are, of what matters to us, of what hurts us, what makes us happy. Jesus said, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And I would add, do. And we say this a a thousand ways every day. It broke my heart. I give you my heart. She stole my heart. I've I've got my heart set on it. And, And the Bible says to keep our heart in the New King James Version or guard our heart in the New International Version because it can be captured by others, putting ourselves in in their hands. And and that's not a problem if it's the birth of our child or if it's our spouse. In fact, life is great when we entrust our hearts into the hands of others. But we have to guard it or keep it because it does make us vulnerable, doesn't it? And when we're vulnerable, that does mean we can be hurt. It's why we can be hurt most by those we love. And that maybe sometimes tempts us. Maybe it has tempted some of you to say, I'm not going to love anymore. C.S. Lewis put it this way. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. He says, the only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. I mean, think about that. Our heart is safe in heaven from the potential dangers of love because heaven is perfect. And our heart is safe in hell because there is no love there at all. But in this life, we have to recognize that that our heart can be claimed by something or someone. And that means whoever has our heart has our life. It helps us understand happiness and joy, but also sorrow and pain. It helps us understand when our kids are little and, and parents have their kid's heart. But as their kids grow, parents, if we lose their heart... They will look elsewhere to someone or some other group to give it. And that can lead to other kids having their heart and having a huge influence over our kids. Same thing happens in a marriage when someone else captures the heart of our spouse. Which is why the Bible tells us to guard the heart. Because whoever has the heart has that person's life. But here's the thing we need to realize The things we do to win a person's heart are the same things we do to keep that heart. And so the Bible says 
to keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, to continually pay attention to it. This is not a one-time thing. This is not... I, I win my wife, and therefore it's done, and I can pack it up and move aside. I've been kind to my kids when they were young, and so I don't have to worry about them anymore. I, I made a good impression when I started at work, and, and now I'm just going to go on, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do, and, and don't care what it does to other people. So over the next several weeks, we're going to look at keys to opening and keeping the heart of others. And, and, and again, I said there's even more found on Right Now Media videos. And today we begin with this very misunderstood word, but it is the first key to building successful relationships, and it is the word love. And typically love is defined as something we feel, an emotion in the, in the culture around us. And that's fine as long as we feel good about whomever or whatever we love. But if our feelings go south, then by definition, so does our love. And you and I know that emotions can change in a heartbeat. And, and so when an emotion is the basis of our relationship with another, then we're at their mercy if we want or need their love. Many of you have experienced that. I dare say, I mean, I suspect some of you are experiencing that right now. But here's the thing. Love often produces emotions but the biblical understanding of love is different from the emotions produced by love. A lot of folks chase the emotion, not realizing that they're setting themselves up for all these problems in their relationship. None of us can build a lasting, healthy relationship on just the emotions of love. Now, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the emotions of love are bad or wrong. They're often great. I deeply love my wife, Susan, and, and that produces wonderful emotions in me. And, and, and the truth is, a world without emotions would be horrible. It would be terrible. It would be boring. For God created us to experience them. They're not wrong. They're, they're, they're not bad in and of themselves. But if our focus is on the emotion then we're always going to be hunting for more. Expecting the other person or persons in our life to, to provide us what we need in order to feel good. And that's dependency. That's essentially addiction. Unless we build our lives on more than the emotions of love, just, just seeking the emotions is not going to always work, and we'll discover a relationship that has no lasting foundation. There, there are a couple of, there are many ways, but at least a couple of ways that love is often defined today. One of those is infatuation. And, and we, we mistake it for love, but, but infatuation is basically being in love with the idea of love. How many of us have been infatuated? <laughs> Maybe even right now with somebody or something. And, and it looks a lot like love. Sometimes it becomes real love. But they're actually very different. Because infatuation is about how another person makes you feel and what you get out of that relationship. Now, there is lust, which is just a, a physical sexual attraction for another. It's the, it's the opposite of the love we're talking about because it's about self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction. It is inherently selfish, always looking for more. And when one thrill becomes routine... Lust throws it out to find a new high. 
But, but here's the thing, and this is the thing that struck me as I was looking at this week, and it's just such a powerful reminder that when love is an emotion, it is invariably centered on me, on what I get out of the relationship, on what, what I gain, on why I want it, on why I seek it. These kinds of emotional loves try to build a relationship based on what we need, what we want. And that changes from day to day, even minute to minute. When the emotion doesn't come, people get angry. They withdraw. They start, as the old song said, looking for love in all the wrong places. I would suggest to you that a lot of the marriages today are built on that kind of love. And we call it a contract. And what's a contract? A contract is an agreement between two people. And in the contract, you look out for number one. God calls us to a covenant where he is at the center, where he is the one, and he sets the tone because he loved us first. But it's true in any kind of relationship. So much of love today, especially as it's depicted in the media, is centered on what the person gets out of the relationship. We, we've, many of our relationships, we just, we've been trained to look out for number one. If a relationship doesn't meet my needs, I dump it. I find someone or something that does. Even in families, some fa- folks dole out love just when the family member succeeds because they want to feel good about what they accomplished. They want them to hold up the family name. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have lived under that curse of conditional love. We have this idea that there's no free lunch, that everyone's out for something, that there are always conditions in the fine print. And we've transferred this way of thinking to our relationship to God, thinking that we have to keep the rules before God will love us and accept us. But Jesus came telling us that God has offered his love with no strings attached. None. We don't have to meet a standard. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to get your act together before God will care about you and love you. In Romans 5, 8, it says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we were opposed to God, while we were seeking to live apart from him, while we said, God, I don't give a a whatever about you. God poured out his unconditional love on us so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In 1 John it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. God is love, and God's love gives and gives and gives and gives because love has the power to change hearts. And when we receive that love through Jesus Christ, God, through his Holy Spirit, comes to live in us so that we can strive to begin to give his unconditional love 
to those around us. And that is the, that's a key to any successful relationship. But it also affects me. It affects my spouse. It affects my kids. It affects my friends, my coworkers, even people I meet on the street. Because it's ultimately not about me, but what God can give through me. Guys, the, the, the message of Christianity is not rules. It's not even morality. It's unconditional love. I mean, why are we doing a food drive today? Why have we worked, many of us, to repair homes damaged by Hurricane Harvey? Why do hundreds of you serve on Sunday throughout the year and at other times? Why do many of you feed the homeless and those who do without? We said they will know we are Christians by our love. By our love. It's what disciples of Jesus, his followers, do. We give to others the love first given to us in Jesus Christ. And as we give it, we grow even more in it. In fact, you and I can't grow more like Jesus as a disciple unless you and I are loving others the way he has first loved us. Discipleship isn't demonstrated ultimately by, by knowledge, but by love. Love that continues to grow in and through us. It says in 2 Thessalonians, your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Your faith is growing because your love is growing. Your love is growing and so your faith is growing. That's how we know someone is growing in their faith as a disciple of Jesus, not if you, how much you know. As valuable as that is, don't get me wrong, I think God's word is incredibly important. We need to study it. We need to dig deep into it, to know God, to understand him. But ultimately, they will know us by our love. If you want to see the world changed, if we want to see less of what we saw on Friday with the shootings, it's, it's more than, than any government can really do because we have to seek to change the hearts of people. And that happens best through the unconditional love of God being lived out through us, right where you are. Not you come to church and the church somehow says, okay, we're going to love people right here. It's, it's in where you work and where you go to school and, and where you live in your family and in your neighborhood and even to your enemies. That's what Jesus said. How do we change an enemy? The Word of God says we love them. Doesn't mean what they do is okay. Doesn't mean it's an excuse. And, and, and you and I know it's not going to happen perfectly because there's going to be sin in this world until Jesus comes back. But until then, it can certainly be better than it is right now. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are 
to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me tell you, our vision as a church is to invest in helping all of us grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. Why? So that we can know a lot of stuff, so we can impress people? No. So that we can unleash this incredible, unconditional love of God into our families, into our church, into our communities, into our schools, into our world. Life and relationships are just best when God's unconditional love is given. And Jesus could command his followers, his disciples, to love because unconditional love isn't a feeling, but a choice, a decision to accept someone for who they are and to work sacrificially for their good. And it's possible through the power of God. It's not possible just in me. I'm, I'm telling you, with what's gone on and what happens sometimes, it's not in me to love. I, I, gotta, I gotta lay myself down at the feet of Jesus and I gotta say, I can't do this, God. It is not in me. But I have faith that it is you. And you can do in me what I cannot do. God says, I choose to love you. And, and it's my goal and desire to demonstrate that love to you by sacrificially working for your good. Whether or not you're doing that for me. I'm giving myself to you and I'm doing it knowing I may not get anything in return. So here's the point. Healthy relationships, and again, we're not just talking about marriage. It can be with the coworker. It can be with the neighbor. Healthy relationships are built on unconditional love, on what we give and not simply what we get out of it. If I expect that my love must be returned, then I'm communicating that my love is conditional. And that's not love, at least not the love of God. And honestly, the world doesn't know what to do with unconditional love. When confronted by it, people often believe it's too good to be true. It's just unbelievable. Who would do that? Who could do that? In fact, a guy got killed for it 2,000 years ago. And there's still people being killed for it. And so they either dismiss it or they dig into it trying to understand it. And so when we're confronted by pure goodness, it can push us to change, which is part of why God shed his love on us. Not just because he created you and me, but because sin has distorted who we really are. It has made us selfish. It has made us needy. But God continues to love us, to awaken within us an awareness that things are not the way they should be, but that it can be different. That we and the world around us can change. Paul wrote, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Guys, God's love is the strongest force in the universe. The strongest force in the universe. And it will ultimately overcome evil and sin. Of course, that doesn't mean that anything goes. 
in every relationship, if love is sacrificially working for the good of another, then there are times when it will involve discipline of saying no. In fact, the appropriate, the use of appropriate discipline is a sign of love. I've talked to many folks who said, my parents let me do whatever they want. And, and as we talked about it and thought about it, the, the conclusion they ultimately reached was because their parents didn't ever say no to them, their conclusion was that their parents didn't love them that much. That there were other things more important to them that, than disciplining their child, than saying no sometimes, than taking things away that needed to be taken away. It's a sign of true love because it takes sacrifice on our part to truly offer it to another. Look, love stands firm on unpopular standards. There's stuff in our world today that the world says is fine. And we as followers of Jesus Christ, if we truly love, have to say no. I may not understand it all, but God says that is harmful, that is wrong. It brings pain somewhere, someone along the line. And I'm not gonna go along with it. Love does what is best for another. Whether that person understands it or accepts it or appreciates it or not. And here's the thing. Another life that continues to stay focused on themselves, on himself, herself, that doesn't offer unconditional love at, at all, just doesn't make for a great life partner. So while we share God's love with all, its, its presence or absence in the relationship should help us decide early on whether or not we want to go deeper with that person. Whether we want them to become a good friend versus an acquaintance. Whether we want to date them more versus say, you know, had a nice time, but I'm going on. Whether we are going to marry them or say no. If it's a coworker, if it's a friend, you continue offering love, even if you don't receive it in return. But, but you also don't have to commit to going deeper in the relationship and, and trust or make them a, a project. But if it's someone you're looking to build a life with, there needs to be similar understandings of love or it's going to get hard. You're going to get resentful. And yet the good news is that God's love has the power to change people. And I, I want to tell you, if you're already in a marriage or you're dealing with kids or parents who do not tend to love unconditionally, do what God did for us who loved us unconditionally, who loved us sacrificially. And you have the potential, not the guarantee, but the potential to see their heart change, to capture their heart. I want to tell you, I have seen dead marriages restored. People who said, it's over, but made a decision to keep trying and five years later, not five minutes later, not five hours later, it's work, it's sacrifice, it's hard. 
but discovered it could work. I've seen parent-child relationships renewed. When God's love becomes a part of that relationship, and and it, it may not be returned for the first weeks or months or even years, but it's very hard, it's very hard to keep denying when someone loves you just because they do. And the love of God has power to change a life, to change a heart, to completely change relationships. In my daily reading this week in the Life Journal reading plan, I was, and knowing I was working on this message, I just, just reading through Thessalonians, uh, that was part of my, my reading plan. And, and it felt like the Apostle Paul was just talking to this. In chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. May the Lord make you increase and, 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 and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Paul said, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This love, this unconditional love is so key to building and keeping any relationship. It's not about romance. It's not even about feelings. It's about choosing to accept someone for who they are and sacrificially working for their good. It's going to cost you. And yet maybe... Part of the reason we have the problems we have in our world today is that a lot of us have decided we didn't want to invest in other people. We didn't want to love because it's hard. It's inconvenient. It puts us out. This world is not going to change. No matter how much good legislation, good intentions of politicians, Until we change the heart, nothing, nothing will change. And they will know that we are Christians by our love. There's the bottom of your notes on the back, information about right now media, if you want to go deeper. God is working on your heart and, and you want to demonstrate that. We're going to be offering baptisms this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Baptism is, is not a ritual. 
as much as it is an act of love, that God first loved me, and I realized that, and I want to love others as he first loved me. I want to be on his side. I want to commit my life to follow him. I want to be a disciple of Jesus and make him my Savior and my Lord. And if that's you, you're welcome to join us to be baptized. We have a class right after this service down in our Life Center, down the hall this way. and They'll talk to you more about that. If you need to pray with someone about that, our prayer team is going to be right down front here, and they would love to pray with you. If you're a guest today, we're sure glad you're here. We, we know this is, a, this is a challenging time. And, and I just want to tell you, as a church, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we're, we're, we're working on it too. But we believe God is at the center of what is good and right and best in this world. And we seek to follow him. And if you want to learn more about that, come back. If you want to meet some of us, we'll be standing out this door and we'd love to say hello. We also, by the way, we set up a place out there. If you want to take a selfie about baptisms, we've got the baptismal tank out there with a backdrop and you can use that and and send it to friends if you're getting baptized or if you just want to put the word out there about that because it's at five this afternoon and it's open to anybody to come and watch and be a part of and celebrate. Celebrate, yes, they get wet, but more importantly, celebrate a heart that has committed its life to Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, Father, you loved us. Oh, how you loved us. You proved it in Jesus Christ that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. You never give up on us. Like the the shepherd who leaves behind the 99 to go seek the one lost sheep. You continue to seek us to give us your love, no matter how good or bad we have been. For none of us are ultimately good enough. None of us can save ourselves. But you can. And you can change our heart. And you can change hearts. And ultimately, Father, we are convicted that the answer to the problems in our world today ultimately comes back to you. Help us love you more. Help us live so that people see us and say that they know we are Christians by our love. We pray this, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go love your neighbors. Amen. Learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.